Welcome to the Gamer's Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. Looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Ryan, and joining me this week is my guest co-host, Travis. How's it going, Travis? Hi, Ryan. I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Doing really well. Travis is joining us uh, once again. Jocelyn is away this week. She should be returning next week, and uh, we'll welcome her back to the inn. And what better way to do that? Then by discussing one of her favorite games, and I'm going to jump right to it because it's a great segue. Horizon Zero Dawn, you're playing it. Jocelyn loves that game. And uh, you said, well, you know, I know that you've uh, talked about Horizon Zero Dawn quite a bit. And do you really want to talk about it again? And I said, if Jocelyn found out I told you no, I would, I would, uh, I would get an even harsher letter than changing her outro on the show. So... I want to talk about Horizon Zero Dawn. Contractually obligated to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds perfect for me. I mean, the only downside is that Jocelyn's not here to talk about with us, uh, talk about it with us herself. So hopefully, she can enjoy hearing our conversation and kind of live vicariously. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Because honestly, you, you know, there's only so much time in the day, and I, I love living vicariously through uh, our Discord. A lot of people playing. Um, anime games i don't i don't have a lot of time for anime games uh, and i i say that like i'm being rude but you know jrpgs there's a lot of like huge giant rpg games and i and i think horizon was one of those where i almost lived vicariously through jocelyn when it first came out until i finally i finally gave in and played the game and loved it and uh you're playing on pc because you don't have uh the playstation platform so i'm i'm curious like has the wait been like, is this a game you wanted to check out and the wait for the port to PC? Has that been a tough one or did you just kind of like, Oh, that's on PlayStation. I don't have to worry about it. Even if it is like a, like a game, a lot of people are raving about, I can wait till I have access to that platform or, or better yet it gets ported to PC. So are you, were you excited when it finally came to PC? I was thrilled when I heard it was going to come to PC, and it's been really difficult waiting to play it. Uh, I'm a bit of a thrifty gamer myself, and I very rarely pay full price for anything on Steam um, just because sales happen so frequently. So I've been holding off and holding off, and then lo and behold, about two weeks ago, it was on sale. I think it was 40% off, and I was just like, all right, it's time. I can't wait any longer. I'm going to jump in uh, and see what this is all about. I've been hearing about Ryan and Jocelyn just singing its praises for the longest time now. Uh, I've seen all of the trailers. It looks gorgeous, and it's finally time for me to check it out for myself. And I have to say, I've not been disappointed so far. Um, I mean, my initial reaction was it's kind of like a cross between a, a Tomb Raider and an Assassin's Creed a little bit, and that there's just all sorts of things all over the map for you to go and check out, but you still have the the bow play, I guess you could call it, um, and a lot of running and climbing. And it reminded me, the gameplay loop just reminds me a lot of a more open version of the 2013 Tomb Raider reboot, uh, which was one of my favorite games at the time. So yeah, really enjoying it. Um, I feel like I'm not great at it. Uh, I feel like it takes me forever to take down any of the machines. And I have a lot to learn about the crafting systems and how the different weaknesses and things like that work. But uh, I'm having a really good time. I, it's just like, I'm terrible at this, but it's a lot of fun. So <laughs> I'm going to keep going. <laughs> yeah, we were talking pre-show about that. And I think it's something that I experienced when the game came out is that I'm terrible at this combat when I'm fighting the larger groups of monsters. I felt like when fighting the smaller groups 
And I think that early in the game, you're fighting the Watchers, and then you're fighting, um, you know, machines that will run away if you scare them. More of like the horse and deer type monsters, the, the, the well, the herbivores, right? And, or, well, they're machines. They're not eating grass. What am I saying here? <laughs> well, you know, there are the aggressive ones, and then there are the ones that would have probably eaten grass if they were organic. Um, or maybe they do eat grass. I can't, now I'm remembering there's the ones that like chew rocks. Now I'm like questioning yeah, everything. There are definitely some that have their heads to the ground. I can't really tell what they're doing, if they're eating, if they're digging or, or chewing on something. It's, it's, I usually, I see them standing and not paying attention to me. And that's about the time I used to, I try to imply my, employ my, Hey, come here strategy where <laughs> I just hide in some grass, whistle at them and pick them off one by one and laugh whenever they don't realize that there are four of their kindred laying in front of me in the pile of grass. Uh, but that's, that's pretty much my strategy for any groups. Um, if I can't do that, I pretty much run away. So that's, Hey, that's a good strategy. And that's kind of how I played that game. Um, the stealth mechanics, you know, the, I love a good, you know, long grass situation where you're, you're in the long grass and you just feel invincible because no one can see you, even though clearly a lot of you is hanging outside of that grass and you are not wearing camo. I can see me. I don't know why they can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, there are mo those moments where the stealth really kicks in and you're having a great time. And, and I think you can even like specifically set up a skill set where you are more hidden in the grass and um, you can, you do stealth kills faster and the enemies are less likely to see you. So I, remember at the beginning of the game really having you know Aloy's kit be stealth focused which is great early on but then if you don't pivot quick enough once you get into like I think the second area when they start introducing more aggressive machines that stealth only works for the beginning of a of a of a, a, a encounter right and then you you start fighting these enemies and like oh wait I can't enter stealth again because all these folks know where I am. And suddenly all of those skill points you've put into stealth are, are not helping in this, uh, in this very like aggressive um, encounter where you have to more focus on traps. So I remember playing when it originally came out, like learning a lot as I went. And then by the, the time I hit end game, I'm like, okay, I, f I think I finally got this. You're fighting larger, more aggressive monster or machines. And, I think that's where the PC version was really cool because it's like, I remember enough about this game that I can go back to it on PC and have all that knowledge from the PS4 version. And I can just take it all the machines right from the beginning and uh, kind of feel a bit like a Terminator, I guess, or a reverse <laughs> Terminator. John Connor? I don't know. That's really encouraging to hear because that's that's kind of the struggle that I'm dealing with right now is I'm I'm finding myself... I'm probably about halfway through the story missions i'm just starting to get a little bit of an idea about what's going on but haven't really gotten a clear path for the story yet and i'm getting thrown into more and more of those combat situations where i'm not able to just stealth myself again and i have to find new ways to deal with it and i think really the only trap i've got a lot of experience dealing with is the lightning tripwire type trap mm -hmm. um, i know there's a whole other category and i was sort of waiting because you know they they introduce you to the, the tripwire via a story mission. So I thought, okay, well, this is how they're going to 
introduce new weapons is I'll eventually make some progress and then I'll have to go get a thing and then they'll teach me how to use it. And that never happened. So I'm not sure if, uh, if I just have to figure it out myself or if I haven't gotten quite far enough to get more of a tutorial on the other traps, but I think I'm going to have to start experimenting a bit more soon in order or a bit more shortly in order to get through some of these more complex encounters where my, uh, my Hey, come here strategy, uh, is not going to work. <laughs> well, and, and that's a really good point in that, that game, you are the tutorial is like here's go buy this thing and really like that's the tutorial is like if you want more traps if you want more armor you're gonna have to buy a lot of that stuff and then the tutorial is like a little there's like a sub quest that pops up like hey here's the thing you can do with that thing you just bought and it's they don't hold your hand with that they really um they give you that initial tutorial and then the rest is just up to you to kind of experiment with and your here come here your hey come here <laughs> strategy. Sorry, I've already screwed up your strategy. Um, it's very That's helpful. Right. I screw it up all the time. <laughs> no, exactly. That's like part of the fun is the yeah. uh, hey come here. Then oh shit, you saw me strategy, um, <laughs> right. which is usually what I employ because I'm terrible at stealth games. But um, what what you need to do is kind of combine it is like before you go into hey come here mode you have to like set up your traps and then you hey come here and they walk through the trap like the machines aren't very i don't think they see well i think they like (laughs) they don't see at all they just ping you know they look for like an ip address Mm. and all of your traps are like homemade so they don't have any like networking function i guess i don't know i'm trying to like theory craft here but the monsters or the machines don't do very well in seeing your traps and they, they usually just walk right into them. So uh, you kind of have to set that stuff up like, and like, okay, at first you're going to go through the tripwire and then I'm going to shoot you as you're down and kind of give you a good old, you know, stab. And, uh, and then when you get up, like I've got a bunch of uh, incinerary bombs. So then you're going to run into those rinse, repeat. So you kind of have to like set up these chain events which do eventually, uh, you know, uh, come to a, a point when you're saying you're, you're whistling or or whatever. I think you can throw rocks as well. Yeah, I, I think I threw maybe three rocks over the course of the game because I, I just immediately picked up the whistle technique. <laughs> and I've never touched a rock since then. <laughs> just didn't see the point. Yeah, well, I mean, if you can whistle, more power to you. I, I think that game... It's, it's kind of perfect timing for PlayStation to kind of test the waters with PC ports, especially with Horizon Zero Dawn getting a sequel potentially this year. Again, Jocelyn, if you're listening, I mean, it would be very... It, I'm still... I really hope Horizon Zero Dawn 2 comes out. I guess it, it's not... It's Horizon Forbidden West. I hope it comes out this year. I really want to play it. I think it's going to look great on the PlayStation 5, but uh, it's really tough to commit to large-scale games in in 2021 but uh yeah i'm really looking forward to that sequel and i i have this on pc i i think you got a you got much farther than i did on the pc i think i've only just begun to kind of like explore the the larger second area but uh it is such a fun game to revisit because i really like the story all the voice acting is really great like Aloy, um, played by Ashley Birch, she's fantastic, and she really embodies that character and brings her to life in a way that uh, you just don't get. You get more often these days because people put more developers put a lot of effort into crafting, you know, their characters. 
But I think when Horizon came out, we were still at that, you know, phase where you'd get like maybe four or five games a year that really took that acting to the next level. And I think Horizon Zero Dawn has a lot of that. And uh, yeah, it's it's such a fun game. And every time we get a chance to talk about it, we bring it up on this show. So um, today is no different. Today is no different. <laughs> I'm glad I could help and provide one more opportunity to to bring it up again. And I, I absolutely agree uh, with the voice acting and the performances. That was one of the, the very early things that I noticed other than, you know, the quality and the, the polish put into the, the, the graphics and the, the character models overall was just, um, you know, Ashley Birch's performance is, is very good uh, and really draws you into the world immediately. Yeah, it's a really, it, it's such a fantastic game, but a game that uh, doesn't have, as great voice acting maybe it's not for me but i have been playing odd world soulstorm uh which is the the next great entry in the franchise of odd world such a weird franchise such an odd franchise i didn't can't believe i didn't take that opportunity um and uh, i'm playing it on playstation 5 it is the playstation plus uh ps5 experience that is being offered as part of the subscription if you want to play it on PS4, you, you do have to buy it. But if you have the PS5, you can get that version at no additional cost. And uh, this is a direct continuation. And this is going to mean something to the people who have played Oddworld. Um, it's a direct continuation of New and Tasty, <laughs> which uh, came out in 2014. Um, yeah, Oddworld games. I, I don't have a lot of experience with them. Now, you were saying you'd played the, the very first one or one of the Xbox ones? Yeah, so I played the original, or a, a small portion of the original, I think it, I forget if it was just Oddworld or if it was Abe's Odyssey. Uh, the, the naming conventions in this series are just bonkers. But yeah, so I had a friend, I remember I was probably in, I'll say junior high around the time when that came out. Um, and I remember him really enjoying it. And then when I, you know, as an adult, when I opened a Steam account, I found that the Oddworld games were quite cheap. Uh, picked up the first one. And then realize it's just atrocious trying to play it with a keyboard. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I cannot even imagine. That would be that'd be a feat. So I yeah, I dropped it after about 45 minutes or an hour just because I I could not handle the controls at all. But I, I felt like I sort of got the aesthetic and sort of a general idea of what they were going for. And uh, it was just a strange experience. Just a, a, one of the weirder puzzle games that I've played. Um, but that was so I'm a little bit familiar, but I don't have any in-depth knowledge of the series overall. Just a brief experience with the first entry. Yeah. So you could have said uh, in that moment it was an odd experience, but uh, yeah. we'll get better at this, I think. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was uh, strange. We'll say that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, shoot. I had it and then I lost it. The uh, what was the what was the stranger one? There was a stranger, wild stranger. Uh, mysterious stranger was it or, oh man we we were yeah, looking at all like these a- titles pre-show too <laughs> odd world stranger's wrath there it is there you go yep yeah nailed it okay well i <laughs> you you are you nailed it like the game so i i have i've i think i played i also played maybe it was one of the games that got re-released on ps3 i don't know why i was playing it maybe it was probably because it was offered for free because this this game is is close to what is my cup of tea because i like platformers i like side scrolling puzzle games um i don't mind stealth mechanics but this game this game has all that but it's very steeped in like this 90s sort of 
feel. So it is a side-scrolling platformer, but then at times it's also a side-scrolling stealth platformer. Um, and then at times it's a, it's a puzzle game. Um, and then at times it's a lemmings game where you are trying to not only protect, um, Mordecons, I think they're called. There's a lot of weird, you know, uh, alien names in this one. Um, but you're trying to protect these, these creatures and sometimes they're, they're in the foreground with you and you are um, controlling them with, um, commands like, Hey, everybody come here and, uh, everybody wait here. And there are also like, uh, sort of more minute, um, commands where you can command people one at a time to come and stay, which, uh, they don't explain it very well, but that comes in handy when you get to some of the combat sections, which brings me to probably my biggest frustration is that the combat you, because it's a stealth game, most of your combat is like throw rocks, rocks at people, you know, lay down mines. Um, uh, and there's a couple other upgrades you can build to like, you know, uh, you can, you can throw like a a smoke screen. You can, not a lot of stuff that gives you, power over your enemies because all of your enemies have like machine guns shotguns rocket launchers like they are well equipped to take you out with one hit and take your followers out with one hit so when you're finding mordecons around the area usually the game will say like this level has 50 of them for you to find and save and sometimes that's part of the puzzle is you're finding these these creatures um throughout the world And you're having to save them through some puzzle mechanics. And then when you beat that sort of mini area where those creatures are, you can send them through sort of a a little portal and then they are saved for good. Other times you are saving large groups, like hundreds of them, and they're sort of running around in the background. Um, And sometimes that's just, especially early on, that's just a visual sort of flourish. But other times when you're saving hundreds of them, you have to protect them. And that's where the combat comes in, which can be super frustrating because the controls are not great. The platforming is very stiff. So you're like trying to run from one area to another to try to protect these, these creatures that are being gunned down with machine guns. Like you feel like woefully underpowered. Uh, But then I did learn that like in those areas, you, you sometimes have four or five of them, in your direct control, the, the Mordecons, and you can give you can give them some of the power ups to use against the enemies, and then you can place them in specific areas to to ask them to wait, like wait at this area because I know an enemy is going to spawn here. So there's a lot of that. They don't really give you a lot of details when you're doing this stuff, but uh, I found some points really frustrating, like to the point where I'm like. I need to stop playing this because <laughs> I can't, I can't throw my, uh, you know, brand new hundred dollar controller or, or set it down. Not so gently. Um, it's just, it's so weird. You know, you see these franchises that make the leap from the nineties to, you know, the two thousands and the 2010s and now the 2020s, like they make that generational leap. And I just don't think odd world ever did, you know, and, maybe that's that's fine for folks who love the franchise like you know don't change what your fans love but as someone coming in fresh it's like mm, i don't know guys this is uh maybe not my you know cup of tea um 
but also like there's a lot of like a lot of the vo is really weird <laughs> i don't know it's hard to explain but everyone kind of sounds like a variation of barney a little bit <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying they didn't hire ashley birch they did not and if they yeah. did she's you know highly modulated and i don't even <laughs> want to do an impersonation of it i think like the the closest thing i can think of is like every every single you know character that's voiced in this game sounds like a variation of of barney like this is this is our main character barney and and he is um he's he's he doesn't know what's going on but he's the you know the plucky hero that's saving everybody and <laughs> and then you've got hero the barney. barney exact hero barney and then you've got the Barney who is the uh, mob boss and he's chasing Hero Barney. So you can imagine what that sounds like. Yakuza Barney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yakuza Barney. Uh, Jim will dig that one. And, um, and, and then it's just... So again, like, that is a staple of the Oddworld franchise. Everyone sounds odd. It fits. And that's great. But it's totally off-putting. I'm like, you know... <laughs> Ashley walks in and she's like, what are you playing? Everyone sounds like a cartoon character. And and I'm like, but every, but, but everything looks so realistic. Like they go for that realistic feel and um, all the monsters are just so well rendered. And, and this is another thing that the franchise is known for is their cutscenes because my God, when you watch the cutscenes, you think you're watching like a professional Pixar film like they've really gone above and beyond to make these these cutscenes look amazing and i think they're all in engine too right so it's an impressive feat for sure but like i i don't know if it's i don't know if it's for me i don't even know if i would have played this if it hadn't been for the ps plus offering which is maybe a good thing for them because it, it got people like me who wouldn't normally have checked it out to to play it and then talk about it <laughs> so yeah it, it does sound like it's quite the hodgepodge of mechanics and just a lot of, not to keep pounding on the, the odd theme of it, but just they've combined so many different things. It's hard to say if it's a coherent a gameplay loop even. And then you combine that with uh, peculiar character models and crazy voices. And it's just maybe not a, a package with a lot of mainstream appeal. Like it probably appeals to a very specific audience or people that you know, enjoy the quirkiness or just want to laugh at something that's different. Um, but maybe not for everybody. Yeah. That's a really good way of putting it. I think that there, there is a, there is a, a weird grouping of mechanics that you don't see a lot of these days. Usually with these type of games, um, with this type of, you know, smashing of genres, they make your character all powerful, right? Like, uh, thinking of like your Metroidvanias, your, um, uh what's that epic one they made it wasn't epic but it was a what was it chair they're now epic i I can't remember now it was uh gosh it was noel north was the was the main vo actor it was a big hit and then they never made a sequel which is really frustrating and they did a remaster oh well anyways it'll come to me later but uh anyway it, it just it feels like this yeah like this game is made for fans of the Oddworld franchise and and they're gonna love this because it's got Oddworld all written all over it and there's just these moments that just really stand out as as super frustrating where you know i i ran into a boss where it's you you tell all your your friends to wait and then there's this giant like um mech at the other end of the level and it's constantly shooting rockets at you it took me an hour to get through it 
because as it's shooting rockets at you, you have to inch closer to it because you, you don't have a machine gun. You don't have any you don't have anything you can do to it outside of the fact that the the monster that is using the mech left like an open flame torch and a giant flammable uh, gasoline tank next to the mech. I don't know why. And the mech shoots rockets. It's like a recipe for disaster. But uh, it, they skipped training day, I guess. <laughs> they, <laughs> they didn't watch the, please don't leave an open flame next to the mech and the gas tank. And um, the rockets. And the rockets, yeah. <laughs> so you have to inch closer and closer to it. Like There's a bunch of these crates, and you have to use the crates as cover, and then time your runs... And then you die constantly, resets the whole encounter, and the whole point of the encounter is for you to get close enough to throw these vials that uh, that light on fire, so to, to create a trail of fire from uh, the torch to the gas tank that then takes out the boss. But it took me forever and a bunch of trial and error where I'm just like, this is not fun, and you should have, like, the design of it, it just felt really off to me, Uh but there are also moments where you feel like I solved this puzzle and I feel great about it. Like it's hard to say it's not all bad. It's just there are these very too few moments where you're sitting there like, oh man, why why did they put this in here like this? Like this boss fight could have been more fun if it wasn't if I didn't have to re if the checkpoint didn't feel so unfair, you know? So it sounds like it might be a situation where it's it's not a bad game in and of itself, but there are other games that do each of those things better. Like there are better puzzle games, there are better stealth games, and maybe throwing them all into one thing, um, you know, sort of the jack of all trades, master of none situation where nothing works quite well enough and produces quite as fun an experience as you would hope for um, that you couldn't get somewhere else possibly better. So it, I, I think I agree with you. I will probably pass on this one. Um, it sounds like the fans of the series will love it, but if you're not, maybe um, you know, g- give it a, a give it a go on a, a subscription service and hold your judgment before purchasing. <laughs> yeah, hundred uh, percent. If you have an opportunity to check this out on PlayStation Plus and you're 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 starved for PS5 content, it's certainly worth checking out. The cutscenes look really great, and uh, there are moments. There are definitely moments of greatness, but uh, there are moments of frustration. So keep that in mind as you're playing. Uh, but before we move to the news, let's turn back time. You know, uh, do your Wayne's World impression here, folks at home. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about Final Fantasy 13, which is a franchise you've been working your way through, and you're specifically playing Lightning Returns right now. Um, I'm, I'm curious to talk about this because you you'd brought it up and you thought, ah, oh, you know, I don't. I don't know if we want to talk about this because it's like such an old game. And I thought, no, Final Fantasy 13 holds this really weird place where I was never a PlayStation gamer. And then I got my hands on a PS3. Final Fantasy 13 was the first Final Fantasy game I played and bought at launch. And I never, I didn't beat it. Uh, but I, I lived with, uh, with two folks, um, uh, both named Matt, but one of the Matt's, he played the whole thing. Like, start to finish i think he bought a guide when we picked up our games so he like literally did everything in that game so i feel like i finished it through osmosis but um yeah <laughs> uh, yeah it was my first uh final fantasy game my first 3d one for sure as well uh and it was it was also great because liara uh, the voice actress i can't yes. remember her name but uh 
she was the main she was lightning right so that that was a big deal yeah and i actually looked that up because i i didn't obviously i played final fantasy 13 before um well no i guess i wouldn't have uh, i i hadn't drawn the connection at the time that lightning was voiced by liara but now having played mass effect a few more times um since then, when I booted this up, I was like, oh, I know this voice from somewhere where it's not Jennifer Hale. Who is this? And I looked it up and then realized it's I'm with you. I unfortunately don't remember the name of the voice actress, but it is the voice actress who plays Liara. Uh, and she she does a fine job of voicing a much more stoic character in Lightning, um, much different than Liara. But yeah, so I'm I am playing Final Fantasy 13 lightning returns i think the title actually goes the other way around this is another series that sometimes doesn't help itself with (laughs) title conventions Uh, unexpected theme for the episode um so i am kind of on a mission to play through all of the final fantasy games i've grown up with the series uh, i've enjoyed it and somewhere along the line i decided i've played most of these i should make an effort to go through and play those that i haven't so as far as mainline titles the only ones i've not played up to this point were are uh, Final Fantasy twelve, and then this final installment of the thirteen trilogy, uh, and then I've also not played the seven remake, but I'm sure I will get to that whenever, um, whenever we get a PC port here at some point, hopefully in the near future. So my journey with the series has brought me through up to Lightning Returns at this point. Uh, as I mentioned, it's a continuation of the Final Fantasy thirteen trilogy. The first game I did finish, uh, I made it through. It was a long game. I feel like it was somewhere around 50 hours for me. Uh, it's not my favorite because the it's... I guess I'm just pretty old school when it comes to my Final Fantasy games. I like the old turn base or active time battle system. I prefer that to the more active... Um, paradigm system and the stagger system that they incorporated into 13 13 2 was a similar game to 13 uh with the exception of your party members rather than having a group of party members you chose from you had uh lightning sister sarah uh one other character and then there was this weird kind of pokemon mechanic where you would fight enemies capture them and then your third party member depending on what paradigm you had and your paradigm is a sort of your group composition and what what type of combat roles each character plays. And when you would change, you change through your paradigms to say, do more magic damage, or you try to, you do a lot of magic damage to try to stagger an opponent. You do physical damage to hold the progress on the stagger bar. Uh, and then maybe you would, if they have the enemy has a big attack coming in, you would swap in a more defensive character to, to shield your characters. Um, and all of that, instead of done, instead of being done by clicking actions through a menu is done by just swapping characters in and out and more of an auto battle system based on who's in your party at the time. So final fantasy 13 two incorporated uh, a system where your third party member was any given enemy that you had captured up to that point and you grouped into your paradigm. So that was an odd mechanic that they incorporated into that game. Lightning Returns takes it a step further where now the only character that you have is Lightning. So everything is a, it's not a one-on-one, but you, the player only ever controls one character. She shifts roles. I think they're called schemata in Lightning Returns. And a schemata is a combination of a one particular weapon, one particular shield, and then up to four different abilities. And you have you can have up to three different schemata at one any given time, and the way the combat works is it's all real time. 
with an active time battle system. So you'll have so many ability points you can spend and then those eventually run down and then you have to wait for them to recharge. So you sort of go through swapping through your different rules, trying to stagger and eliminate enemies, but you only ever play the one character and she's constantly like changing her weapon loadout and outfits and it's just very flashy. Um, it, it's a much different departure from even Final Fantasy 13, let alone the more time-based or turn-based systems they've had in the past hmm. um so ryan as someone who has only played the original did, did any of that description make sense or are you just sort of like what are you talking about that sounds wild because... uh, i remember i remember in final fantasy 13 there was a guy with a baby chocobo in his hair which was yeah. uh stands out as something i remember I, I think it's really interesting that they mix things up from all three of these entries in what should be pretty much be a trilogy like do the stories connect or is it just like lightning's back doodly do uh a little bit of both um so the stories do connect um the, the story across uh, and this is going to sound negative and i don't mean it to but the story throughout the 13 trilogy is kind of sci-fi fantasy nonsense for a lot of it like it's just a lot of crazy terminology and words and it's it's pretty difficult to follow you've got people who are turning into crystals for some reason um mm -hmm. whether or not they have <laughs> completed a feat that they were assigned by god that sort of thing so it's all very high concept difficult to follow stuff so at the end i shouldn't spoil it too much um <laughs> but despite it's being a 10 year old game um you do not play lightning in the second entry in the series uh you play as her sister trying to find lightning and then in the aptly named lightning returns lightning is now back uh in 13 lightning returns so they are connected um but the through line between the three games is different um and as far as the story their plot goes with with lightning returns lightning is now the i believe she's just called the savior so she's a chosen character chosen by god to stop the end of the world so very uh sort of typical tropey save the world type stuff where it gets a little quirky is the world is ending in eight days um so there's a time mechanic uh and it's a real time time mechanic i don't i don't remember the exact equation but it's probably like every 15 minutes is an hour in game or something like that mm -hmm. so you're constantly going against the clock and this this is a system that kind of bothers me about the game where you in order to complete a quest you will have to be in a certain area at a certain time or like a gate in a city closes at nighttime to protect the citizens so you have like if you have to go there for a quest you have to wait till the next day to do it but then you're also threatened by the inevitable end of the world that's going to happen. So there's this constant pressure of, I need to know where I can and can't be based on what time it is so that I don't waste days because at the end of the day, the game is like when all of my days are out, the game is over. So it's kind of added this sort of stressful do everything and beat it as quickly as you can mechanic, which I'm not a fan of. Um, and it's totally different than anything in any of the Final Fantasy games, but then in particular, even different from the rest of the 13 series. So um, I'm I'm focusing a lot more on Horizon Zero Dawn because I'm having more fun with it, um, <laughs> to be frank. Yeah, no, that makes uh, sense. I, I think that you mentioned the time mechanics and stuff like that. It, it obviously reminds me of uh, Majora's Mask. Um, although, is there time travel? Like, I'm assuming you just you you're on a you're on a a, a tight schedule. Do you have to just progress to certain 
points in the story within a within a time frame or is the whole game on one timer um so the whole game is basically on one timer and by the way i've never played majora's mask because of the time mechanic (laughs) i just i would always hear about that and i'm sure i have made it out much worse in my mind than it really is uh but i just hear about this and i'm like i don't I would be so frustrated if I spent a ton of time in a game only to find out I didn't do it quickly enough. So now I, now I have to start over. Um, so I've avoided Majora's Mask and I find the, the time mechanic to be a struggle in, in this as well. But yeah, so the way that it works um, when you start the game, I think eight is the number. You have, an, you have eight days and then you have five, you have essentially five major goals that you have to accomplish within those eight days. Uh, the kicker is every time you complete one of those main missions, it seems like it adds an extra day to it. I guess like, you know, God is giving the world another day or some such. That's so nice. Me- mechanic. Right. Yeah. And it was just like, you could just, if you can add days, you could just, we could just not do this. You know, we, we could not have the apocalypse <laughs> if we have that kind of power. Yeah, like how tied um, are you to this apocalypse event? God, right. Like- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, look, I'll, I'll do I'll do your mission. That's fine. But if we could just agree to be cool here and that I will accomplish it and maybe don't have to do it in eight days, we could all have a much more chill time with this. Yeah. What happened to what happened to on the seventh day we rested? Like what's going on? Here? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I think your question is, how does the is it tied to the time? So you start the game with set number of time. Uh, and then it it just it does you can manipulate it a bit. Um, there's also a time freeze mechanic where you it's the mechanic itself is not it's too convoluted to get into details for how it works, but you can spend you can spend ability points to freeze time so that the day clock stays where it is, but it only holds it for like a minute and a half or something like that, like in real time. So it's probably I don't know. 20 minutes half an hour in game or whatever uh and you have a limited amount that you can do that because it's tied to a resource but you also replenish that resource by fighting battles so you can do it more or less constantly which makes the time mechanic even more questionable because it's it's like this arbitrary unnecessary pressure that you can then also freeze some of the time so i'm not sure why it's there um I don't know, it's just I'm I'm not a fan of how that has all worked out. And the other the other thing that makes it a little more egregious in my opinion as well is that you don't actually gain experience points like any other RPG. You your stats get increased as you complete quests, but you're tied down cuz you're like do I want to complete quests to level up because that's going to take time away and if I don't finish the game within the end of the time limit like you're running the risk of I leveled up too long and now I have to start the game over because too many days clocked away for me to finish the main story. So it's the clock thing is just kind of a convoluted mess. In my opinion, Uh, I'm not an expert on it. I'm sure other people have played it, maybe have done better with it, understand how to manipulate it better uh, and can speak its praises, but it's, that mechanic is not for me. Uh, I'm still going to push through and, and finish the game because uh, it, it is fun despite its quirks, but I, I do find myself questioning the time system. And I do want to finish it for, for the purposes of having that experience and be able to sort of speak and have a, a higher place to say, I've, you know, I've experienced all of the mainline games in this series and I can compare and contrast and have those kind of discussions. So we'll, uh, we'll get through it. I may not be a fan of the time thing, but 
it's still a worthwhile game and i think it's probably about ten dollars on steam so if you <laughs> if any of this sounds interesting or quirky and fun to you uh, it should be pretty easy for anyone to check it out if they're interested in uh, picking it up on the cheap yeah i i think it's really it's really great that square enix has put a lot of their older final fantasy titles on pc to basically for lack of a better term kind of preserve you know uh gamers ability to play these games like Final Fantasy 13, that whole franchise was the PS3 era. Uh, we talked about this last episode of them shutting down the digital stores for the PS3, but also the PS3 is like notoriously difficult to de- to develop for, and then porting those games after being developed for the PS3 also very tough, different type of architect- architecture and stuff. So the fact that these are available on Steam is a really good uh, a really good thing and uh, you know I had looked it up it's it's Ali Ali Hillis, who does the voice of uh, uh, of Lightning and and Liara, and uh, she she'll be back for the new Mass Effect uh, coming out um, whenever Bioware uh, decides they're, they're ready to ship a working game. Uh, hopefully, because <laughs> my God, if you ship another broken Mass Effect, you cannot kill that franchise twice. Don't revive it just to kill it again. <laughs> that would be very unfortunate. Um, but yeah, you know, Final Fantasy thirteen. And just Final Fantasy games in general have always been this franchise that I've I've wanted to go back to and enjoy because I know they're they're beloved and and you know frankly the the first Final Fantasy game that I played to completion and fully enjoyed every moment of it was the Final Fantasy VII remake and I really hope that game comes to other platforms because it deserves to be played by as many people as possible because i think it's a, it's a fantastic sort of ode to what was with final fantasy 7 and a lot of those folks that love that game when it came out are going to love playing this and also it's it's great for people like me who are new players coming to the to the franchise you know the final fantasy 7 huge world that that square enix has built so it's it's really great and i'm not trying to rub it in and like yeah keep waiting for that pc <laughs> thing um, I, it's gotta be, I would imagine by summer we have, we have the announcement of when to expect the, uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake on other platforms besides the PlayStation. Um, I thought we would have gotten that news, uh, with the next gen version upgrade. Like it would have been sort of, it's coming to PS5, but then it's also coming to PC and Xbox Series X, you know, but the fact that they are still keeping it sort of the news exclusive um hopefully we don't have to wait another year for the the sort of the ps5 stuff to to sort of level out but um yeah i'm really hoping it comes to pc because it sounds like it'd be right up your alley like you you're very much looking forward to playing and again i'm not trying to rub it in but yeah for sure yeah it's it's i i mean i remember seeing tech demos for final fantasy 7 remake as a ps3 tech demo uh, that's how long this has been, you know, in the sort of Final Fantasy community. I don't know if, <laughs> if I want to say that, but in the minds of of fans of this series, um, and you just kept hearing about it. And then again, PlayStation Four, more tech demos, and oh, we're working on the remake. Okay, sure you are. Um, I'll believe it whenever you see it. And then you know it was delayed twelve times or however many time, <laughs> times it ended up being delayed, and it finally came out. And I was, I, I remember waiting for it. You know, it, it came out in, uh, in, in the deep pan, I believe is the, the term that you can. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Uh, sorry. Um, if Crofton hears this, he's he, he like I think we were joking. Uh, he's gonna write. I told him he needs to write a cookbook for his time in the uh, <laughs> the deep pan in, in the, the deep, deep pan, <laughs> and it's just it's eggs and uh, pancake recipes because that's all I can think of. I'm sure there are other things you can cook in deep pans, but <laughs> if anyone can figure it out, it's Crofton. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he would. He's probably well, and he's writing a book, right? So maybe you can add a cookbook onto his. <laughs> oh, that's right. He did rub it in that he's writing a book. Ooh, he has time and the attention span to write a book. So, <laughs> and uh, but anyway, yeah. So the it did come out, um, you know, as things were starting to get cracking with the the pandemic and everyone was staying home. And I've been hearing for the last year, uh, lots and lots of people playing it and enjoying it. And I'm patiently awaiting the time when I can check it out myself. Um, but I do. Uh, I mean, the good news is there won't be any shortage of other things to check out. I mean, there's a the new Mass Effect remake trilogy is going to be coming out soon. So we have that to look forward to. And with any luck, that will keep me busy uh, through the summer until we have news of the Final Fantasy VII remake port. So yeah. Exactly. There's lots on the horizon. And uh, if you're looking forward, <laughs> I, I just realized what I did there. Uh, actually, there's more on the horizon as we get into the news segment. Um, and, but before we do that, I just want to remind everybody, if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash thegamersin. That's where you can support the show directly. And you get a little bit in return. You get early access to the TGI Patreon mini where you would have found out all the games Travis was going to talk about. Uh, and maybe a little extra. Sometimes I, t- I talk about a game there that I don't talk about on the show uh, because of time or just because it was even worse than Oddworld, even though Oddworld is, is okay. Don't get me wrong. Um, but go to patreon.com slash thegamersin to get all the details and support the show. Moving into the news, though, um, why don't we start with this one since you had uh, you'd brought it up. You're very much looking forward to the Mass Effect remaster, and just recently this week, Bioware has released a trailer as if saying, no, really, it's happening, and we did a lot of work to make it look cool. They gave us a comparison trailer, and I think this is the first time that I've really like paid attention to the differences between these two, um, the original release and the remaster, and there's a lot to it. Like It looks amazing in some of these, some of these areas. It really does. I'm really looking forward to it. They've they've done a lot of great work with uh, with relighting a lot of key scenes uh, and and just adding textures. They the difference is, you know, I, I remember thinking when when Mass Effect Two came out how great some of the aliens looked, but then to see like the the side by sides of Thane then and Thane now and how it just being able to see the, the scales on the skin and yeah the carbon scoring on armor and and just different damage and water textures is a scene in the trailer with the mako going through one of the planets on mass effect one uh and i i remember enjoying that scene thoroughly the first time i played mass effect thinking how how great that planet looked and then to see how much it's changed now all the different textures that they've added it, it really looks incredible they've done a great job um and i'm really looking forward to playing through the trilogy again They've, uh, it's Mass Effect is, is one of my favorite pieces of media, uh, bar none, including books, film, everything. Just, I really enjoy that universe, uh, all the lore, the characters that go with that. So it's going to be a real treat to be able to play that again uh, on, on PC or for those of you doing consoles, uh, it should be available for um, both the, the Xbox One, PS4, and the current gen as well. So 
Uh, I hope you guys, anyone who's interested to check it out. And if you haven't played Mass Effect before, definitely check it out as well. Um, they've made a lot of other quality of life gameplay improvements um, that should make uh, make things feel a bit more modern, particularly with Mass Effect 1, because uh, it ran much different um, shooting mechanics than what we're used to today. Yeah, you couldn't even put your gun away in Mass Effect, I think due to like memory constraints. I don't know if they'll they'll change that, but there was like... There's a lot about Mass Effect. When it originally came out, it was an Xbox exclusive. It was never released on the PlayStation uh, platforms. You actually had to play through like a comic book in Mass Effect 2 on, on PlayStation. And you could access it on the Xbox versions as well. But that allowed you to like set up your Shepard to then go into. Because there was the whole like save transfer, which was kind of a gimmick but also in this instance used really really well with the mass effect franchise like it really made you want to hold on to that save and i'm i mean i'm going to be honest i think the fact that the majority of the work has gone into mass effect one from both a technical level is really cool but also from realistically how much am i going to play of this collection uh, <laughs> sure. you know because i don't i don't know if i have um Again, you know, going back to writing a book, the time or the attention span to play all three, but I can certainly see myself getting through a large chunk of of Mass Effect 1, and then I'm going to have to have this moral dilemma of who do I kill off, Ashley or Caden, and maybe I just won't get past that point. Yeah, I I could see you getting stuck there very very easily. (laughs) It's a struggle, but I I will say this: uh, in my original playthrough, I uh, I left Caden on the planet. Uh, That was before my (laughs) oldest son was born, so it wasn't um, as much of a moral quandary. But uh, I and I saved Ashley, and then um, in Mass Effect Three, she like she kind of has some issues there where uh, she's not necessarily like a super good person right off the bat. (laughs) Um, and I'm trying to remember specific, I just remember her uh, being a little different in Mass Effect 3. She was, yep, yeah, that's fair. Because there are, uh, that was the, re- the really cool thing about this franchise is that there were characters in one that would kind of pop back in, in two, and then like be very different throughout the rest of the trilogy. There was very rarely characters that kind of stuck around with your crew, and I, I really like, except for I guess Garrus. He was always he was your, he was my bud. You know, we went we went on like you know buddy dates uh, throughout our throughout the trilogy, which was really fun. But um, <laughs> I got distracted by Garrus. I, I think that uh, I think this 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 remaster looks really good. I think Bioware, um, EA, and Bioware have put the 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 resources behind this remaster to ensure they don't have another andromeda situation and i liked andromeda it had its issues but i still really liked that game and and was sad that they kind of dropped it um like a like a hot potato now you said you read the books i'm curious did you ever read the andromeda we're not going to do the dlc or sequel book that's a great title um (laughs) no i i did not read the andromeda books um i read so I enjoyed, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Maybe I liked it a little bit less, um, but I, I enjoyed Andromeda as well for what it was. I found that I did not have the same connection with it that I had through the original trilogy. And part of that is just being built up through time, right? I mean, you, you know, you spend five plus years with that your crew in the original Mass Effect trilogy and then Andromeda being the single, um, the single entry that it was, you just don't develop those same connections to the character. 
Um, so just with that, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it enough to then go and read all the books like I had for the other ones. Um, have you, did you check those out or the uh, DLC related materials? I, I didn't. And you know what? I think what I need, I think, and I might've even done it. I might've like read like a Wikipedia article about the book because Andromeda ends with the dun da da where's the Quarian ship and uh that dlc never came and they and they did fix they did patch the game a lot and then they said no we have to move on to other things um and it was clearly planned as dlc and i think they said that story was going to be ported over to a book and the book did come out and i i think the book mostly took place on the ship and then maybe the book ended with the ship getting there and it's like shit that was uh that was not fun for us we made it though (laughs) the end um i have to look it up i I don't know but uh, it's really it's a frustrating moment in the mass effect franchise and i think the fact that they're treating the original trilogy with with this remaster as opposed to another trilogy that we got in september of last year with the mario games where it was just literally like let's make them playable and do just the work we need to get them running on the switch and running well whereas this is very much as you said, like relighting scenes, uh, a lot of attention into sort of the the textures and just making sure everything runs at 4K, I'm assuming 60 frames per second. And a lot of those issues with Mass Effect 1 being addressed, like I, again, maybe I'm a Mass Effect apologist, but I didn't mind the Mako segments. I knew, I know they were trash, but still, I, I they were fun at moments. I was also the guy that really liked... Uh, doing all the planet surveying in mass effect two. So I don't know. I, maybe I'm just a glutton for (laughs) space punishment. I don't know. So I'll I'll agree with you on the Mako. I, I, it is definitely not a well, I don't know if it's programming. I was going to say it's not a well-programmed vehicle, um, but it's, it's super floaty. It, it handles in the strangest ways, but I playing it at the time, I didn't mind it. Like I recognize that this is not a tight, tightly controlling vehicle um but i sort of just took it for what it was and dealt with it now the planet scanning on the other hand um i did not enjoy that particularly i just i felt like i spent a lot more time doing it than i needed to um it was fine for a little bit but then just having to do every planet um by the end of it you're like (laughs) all right i'm sort of done with this Um, yeah you're probably right (laughs) Um, but i I don't think it was terrible it was just like who i gotta i just did a mission and now you know, I'm coming out of this great character moment or great loyalty mission, and now I got to go scan this pro- planet for some iridium. <laughs> that sounds exciting. <laughs> well, how are they going to do the third one? Because the third one had that app for like mission preparedness or whatever. Yes. So what I understand with that, so the multiplayer is not coming with, um, though I, from what I've heard, the the actual original multiplayer from Mass Effect 3 is still, the servers are still running. How many people are playing? I would guess there are about four. Um, but they are still running. They are not porting the multiplayer. From what I understand, the galactic readiness stat, whatever, however you want to look at it, has been adjusted to the point where you can get hundred percent readiness and I think they've adjusted it so that it goes through all three games now where doing most things throughout the course of the trilogy you can get up to a hundred percent on that meter without actually doing any multiplayer so they have adjusted it um, I don't know if it's just a numbers game but what I've read and what I've heard about it is they've tweaked it at least a bit um, so that 
you can still get the proper endings and, and that you're shooting for without having to have access to the multiplayer. So that was that was a good change, I thought, there. And they did, um, since we were talking about the Mako, I watched another video earlier this week uh, that was going through some of the gameplay changes, uh, specifically with Mass Effect 1. Um, they've changed the shooting reticle, because uh, I, I had wondered the combat being so different between the series. Um, they changed the combat reticle overall, and you are still running on uh, a cooling system like you did originally. However, they did not update it to be the clips that you would have in later entries in the series. So they've adjusted it a bit to make it a little bit tighter and more modern uh, while still trying to retain that original without completely replacing the original combat system. So I thought that was an interesting way to handle it. Um, and they've also adjusted the Mako quite a bit. Um, they did, I, I think the video I watched was maybe 10 or 11 minutes long and probably five to six of it was just on changes they did to the Mako. Um, to make it a little less floaty. And um, a lot of the Mako combat scenes are just better now. The Thresher Maw, I think it was called, the giant worm monster. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, so that battle is more... I remember doing it where it would sort of spit at you, but it didn't really move or do anything. So the strategy for me there was to sort of just sit in front of it and then jump with the tank you know like you do um whenever it would shoot at you jump and then just keep shooting at it and wait till it would spit and then jump again and rinse repeat now they've added it looks like they've added like a tentacle phase where it goes into the ground and does like octopus arms coming up out of the ground at you to swat at you and cause you to move around so they really seem to be making a lot of adjustments with the vehicles and uh, the mako combat and things like that so really looking forward to seeing how that all turns out yeah, me too. I I think that uh, I'm I'm excited to play Mass Effect again. I'm excited to get excited about Bioware making great games. So uh, if we can have that sooner rather than later, that'd be fantastic. Um, other news: This is the probably the biggest story this week. It was a Bloomberg report from Jason Schreier, basically breaking down the way PlayStation has been focusing on big budget. Uh, single player experiences and specifically focusing in on two studios ben studios the folks behind days gone and naughty dog the folks behind uncharted and the last of us franchise and it's a big long report it's totally worth reading because there's a lot of details in there but essentially the two big headlines to come out of this is that the last of us is getting is supposedly getting another remake uh, or sorry, is getting a remake. Uh, it's had a remaster. The remake will be for PlayStation 5. And Ben Studios is not working on Days Gone 2. Uh, they had pitched a sequel to Days Gone, and it was uh, declined by PlayStation. And there's a lot of like back and forth, but I think the critical thing here is like, yeah, Days Gone 2 is not in development at Ben. It's not happening. It, they've been pretty clear that, no, this isn't like, it was, you know, uh, canceled then restarted. It's like no, it never, it never even started. Even though that game has very clearly, for the zombie genre, an interesting ending that sets up an interesting follow up potential, which is a struggle with the zombie genre because most of the time the follow up is like we survived or <laughs> we all died, and uh, <laughs> you know, and that's not the ending to Days Gone, which is pretty surprising for the for the zombie genre you either have the walking dead or you have uh you know dawn of the dead and you can <laughs> no, no spoilers but um 
it's so basically what happened was there's this team at Sony, which is basically like a support team, comes in, helps get a game across the finish line, doing a lot of like the uh, the QA, the heavy lifting, the bug squashing, all that fun stuff, and just building out a game. Um, they're like the visual studios department, but the people who ran it wanted to do their own thing. They wanted to be their own. They wanted to be a PlayStation subsidiary, like a, a studio that was making games like Uncharted and, and whatnot. So they figured the easiest way to get a bunch of money was to say, let's remake The Last of Us for the PlayStation 5, which you can't really blame them. Popular game, immediately Sony's going to be like, yeah, of course, people will buy that in droves. Let's remake it. And it was sort of a means to an end to try to get you know more resources for that smaller studio, break them out of the cycle of being this support studio. Um, but what ended up happening was, I guess that development was then taken over by Naughty Dog and, uh, I guess, I guess Ben was working, was starting work on an Uncharted spinoff or an Uncharted game. And there's a lot of this back and forth where it really feels like Sony's putting a lot of eggs into the, you know, Naughty Dog basket with Uncharted and Last of Us, um, where I'm, I'm just guessing that you know, Naughty Dog would be happy to move on from those two franchises. Like, they seemed very reluctant to make Uncharted 4 and The Last of Us Part 2, um, unless they had a story worth telling, which I, I think in both regards, they they found that story and and uh, ended those those franchises, I think, in, in a, a very fitting way. But Sony's very interested in keeping those franchises going, so they've kind of been pulling in their other studios now, the thing here to mention is that Sony Bend has actually um, moved away from the Uncharted game. They requested to be removed from the project um, by their managers or whatever, and they said, yep, that's fine, no worries, you guys do go do you, but that still doesn't mean we're getting a Days Gone too. So, like, this is a lot of, like, internal studio politics. Like, none of this is, like, officially announced. It's all just based on what Jason Schreier's uh, investigating has brought up. But like as someone who doesn't own the PlayStation platform and sees this from, you know, outside looking in, like how does this make you feel knowing that, you know, there there is another, you know, Last of Us remake coming and like does that make you want to buy the PlayStation 5 to to experience what seems to be coming down the pipeline from these studios? Yeah, so that's I've actually given a lot of thought to this console generation. Um I've I've pretty much skipped the last generation altogether just sticking with pc for the most part and i did not have a playstation 3 either so this has left me in a position where i've actually considered purchasing a playstation 5 almost solely to be able to play games like ghost of tsushima uh things that i've uh, the god of war the new god of war um the last of us things that i've missed uh over the past two generations from playstation um, but this story in particular, it, I think it really, it kind of illustrates how different, um, Sony's philosophy is right now than what say Microsoft is doing. And we all know Nintendo just sort of goes to the beat of their own drummer right now. Um, so I, I, I actually really think I, I side more with the Microsoft model, trying to do more of the consumer friendly things. Like I really appreciate that, but I feel like if I were to buy a console this generation, it would probably be the PlayStation 5 more because of the exclusive titles that I've missed. But that also completely just plays into what Sony's talking about here, right? I mean, that's kind of their their stances where, or at least the, the 
from the Schreier report, the picture that's painted is that Sony is sort of infatuated with these big blockbuster titles that they want to hold on to and continue to move those franchises forward. Um, and that would be my only reason to purchase a PlayStation is for the specific exclusive titles and the Final Fantasy VII remake <clears throat> that may or may not get ported, <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, <laughs> so I, I definitely have mixed feelings about it, for sure. I mean, The Last of Us, having never played it, but just being able to appreciate what it means for video games in general, and I would like to play it at some point just just for that experience, right? Um and it's it's a great case for video games as art looking at you know the way that story and visuals and music were all put together and in particular with the last of us too i suppose um you've already done spoilers on it so i guess i can't <laughs> i don't have to hold back too much but making you question whether certain whether certain things are okay or whether it's okay to live a certain way and things like that i don't want to be too specific i guess but um using video games as a medium to to ask that question you know i i have a lot of respect for what the last of us has done uh so then when i heard it's getting another remake my first thought was didn't they just do this um which i realized just do this means at the very beginning of the ps4 life cycle <laughs> i think was when the remaster came out um so it did make me question the the viability i mean i guess people will buy it and i'm sure sony thinks they will or they wouldn't do this um but it does seem a little cash grabby to me to be doing knowing that the playstation 5 is backward compatible and can play the playstation 4 version of the last of us it just strikes me as cash grabby to make another version of the last of us again for the playstation 5 uh but that's just sort of my outsider take on it, I guess. I mean, how do, how do you feel about it? Would you would you buy it again, or do you have any interest? I, I guess I don't know the difference between this remake and the remaster either. You know, that would be what it looks like, how it's presented differently might yeah to differ as well. I think the idea from from this this story and the studio is a San Diego based studio called Visual Arts Services Group. So right in the name, they are essentially the uh, the support team with Sony that is that is helping with a lot of these big temple uh, games that require a lot of work, especially to push over that finish line. Um, a remake of The Last of Us is interesting because it, from a business, if you look at it from a business perspective, like, yeah, Last of Us remake, bundle it with The Last of Us Part 2, you know, The Last of Us, you know, complete story on PlayStation 5 in all its glory and really, like, if it, it would kind of uh because it's a franchise there's only two entries and they are separated enough by generations because you've got tail end of the ps3 tail end of the ps4 uh or they they're sort of they're different enough that if you want if you wanted to make a remake of the last of us there is there is some reason to do so there but um is it worth is it, is it something i would pick up on its own it would have to be it would have to be substantially upgraded for it to be something that I immediately run out and, and buy. Um, and then if it was bundled with Last of Us Part 2, like I already own Last of Us Part 2, and really how they've been doing these enhanced versions is they've been saying like, hey, we patched it, and it runs better on the P PS5 now. It takes advantage of all the hardware. Have fun. And that's been a free patch. 
um, or a free upgrade uh, for that matter to the PS5 version. So I think they, I think they can take the Sony route of like trying to keep these large franchises top of mind with remakes and sequels and, you know, big budget sort of, uh, movie tie-ins and TV series, um, but they also need to take like the Microsoft level of like, let's make this consumer friendly. Yes, this is a remake of a game that got a remaster um, on just the previous generation of consoles, but we're going to offer this to you um, at a highly discounted price or uh, bundle it with another game that we we know you're going to want to pick up. Like, I think there's a lot of options here, but if Sony says like, nah, it's a $90 Last of Us remake, like, no, like that's something I will wait until it goes on sale, play it a little bit and and be and be satisfied, right? Like I don't see them making drastic changes to The Last of Us, especially from a story perspective. Like that story is it, I don't think you can touch it and get away with it. Um but I think that from a gameplay perspective, there's a lot of stuff they can do there to bring it up to The Last of Us Part 2's quality because I think they really take the gameplay of the first one and really refine it in a way that that makes them very you know one game they just kind of put together and then the sequels like everything is in there for a reason and all of it fits so nicely um but yeah i don't know it it's weird this is all just i did not expect this news like i figured i figured they were going to probably leave the last of us alone but the timing kind of works like they got that hbo series that's probably going to premiere and 2023 or 2022 depending on how things go so the timing could fit really well with kind of having it all you know having that marketing synergy or whatever come together so it's weird but playstation's in a they're playing a different game they're trying i think they're trying to do the nintendo route where they just have these these ips that they're constantly refreshing and getting sequels out similar to what nintendo does with their some of their franchises uh metroid shall not be named but uh yeah it's it's an interesting approach i don't think sony has enough studios and enough ips to kind of like keep that nintendo level going but they've certainly proven you know successful with bringing god of war and spider-man back so it's uh i don't i just don't know if the last of us as a you know churnable sort of sequel machine is is uh is viable and if you keep remaking the same game over and over again i think you're just going to alienate people yeah and i think i think trying to do any kind of sequel at this point sort of undermines what they've done with the first two entries like it it's clearly meant to be a self-contained story that has themes and makes a certain point whether you agree with it or not that's you know that's up to the consumer but they told a very specific story and they were sending messages or, or trying to get you to think about things and i think again to sort of if you make a last of us three it's either just going to feel tacked on or it, it, or not connected um with what they've already done at which point you just look at it and say well this has nothing to do with that you're just putting the name on it for for familiarity and brand recognition um so yeah i, I would hope they wouldn't go that route uh, I think price point with the remake is going to be an important factor um, because I, I think it would be odd. And I guess you're probably going to get this anyway because the PlayStation 4 version has been out for a while. I'm not sure what the retail is on it now. But given the price jump between the PS4 and PS5 games, 
um, the, the $10 US jump, you're going to wind up with a situation where you're playing a game that's 10 years old that's at least $10 more expensive <laughs> than the the version that you already have. Like that seems, again, like an odd ask for people to buy it. But, you know, I guess it could depend on the the improvements. But I think you're right. And we may end up in a situation where sort of by default, we wind up with all three major console makers sort of doing their own thing just because Nintendo always has. PlayStation is clearly shifting or they appear to be shifting more towards just focusing on those big tentpole titles. And Microsoft is going for the, the you know, the consumer friendly and the, the value proposition. So it we may find ourselves in a position where you choose a console based on which model you like better or what what you're most interested in as opposed to having the toss up of which one's more powerful or whatever um, thing people want to argue about for the current version of the console wars, um, which I guess I wouldn't be opposed to. I mean, I think anything that provides more choice to the consumer is going to be a good thing, you know? Um, Yeah. And and I think this generation more than ever, there's, there's reasoning out there to possibly have, you know, I, I, I'm an outlier and, you know, I know Jocelyn is as well. You know, we do this show, you know, owning all three platforms isn't unheard of, especially like further into the generation. But I think this time around, like with the Switch have a, having a staggered release from the Series X and the PS5, there is with Game Pass and the PlayStation exclusives and just Nintendo being Nintendo and having like that hybrid portable slash, uh, you know, home console, there is reasoning probably to have all three of these in in your household at at some point you know i would not advise going out and buying all three on the same day that would be the cost of a gaming pc but um yeah like i think there's i think there's reason enough to at this point like once the exclusives pile up on the playstation 5 you could pick that up after having your game pass machine which could very well be a series s and your nintendo switch to play all your lovely nintendo games like there's I'm not sitting here trying to say like everyone go buy all three, but I think there's, there's more reason this time than ever. Um, whereas I remember previous generations, it was like, you were either a Mario person, a final fantasy person or a halo person. And that allowed you to decide which console you bought off the bat. And all the third party stuff kind of just evened out unless you were on the GameCube and the Wii and, (laughs) you know, if you were a Nintendo person, you usually had another console to deal with uh, the lack of third-party support. But, you know, for the most part, you had a bunch of games coming to all the systems, and you had a select few coming to uh, one or two. So it's it's a different ballgame these days, and um, <laughs> yeah, more evidence of that is basically the way Fortnite's been handling it, <laughs> in that they have everything. <laughs> Uh, except for Nintendo stuff, which is really frustrating for me. Not really frustrating. I don't really want to get into Fortnite, but um, I will if I have to. Like if they add Samus or uh, what other bounty hunter could you add? I guess you could add Star Fox, but that might be a little weird. Although I guess there's like pancakes you can play as in Fortnite. I, I, I don't know. But they are adding Aloy to Fortnite. So speaking of Horizon, we went a long way for this one. But uh, Aloy is finally coming to Fortnite alongside uh such classics as lara croft master chief uh the god of war himself kratos um as someone who's who's big into horizon right now and has a pc and can play fortnite are you uh 
is this going to bring you over to Fortnite now that you can play as Alloy? 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 It probably will not. And I think that uh, that that's not to speak to the quality of the Aloy that is being incorporated in Fortnite, but more just I'm not a big multiplayer shooter person. Uh, and my despite mentioning playing two quite long games in Final Fantasy and Horizon Zero Dawn, my time is fairly limited as well. And I just don't see myself uh, switching over into Fortnite um, for the sake of playing Aloy. I have checked out um, the character character model. I think she looks great. Um, and I, I, wish, I wish them the luck. And I'm pretty excited for all the Horizon fans out there that do play Fortnite to finally be able to play as Aloy. Um, any any excuse to get a good strong female character into any game is is a good thing in my opinion so kudos to aloy and uh, best of luck in her Fortnite arena from from my point of view i suppose <laughs> yeah i mean that as someone who doesn't play Fortnite, and and i agree with you doesn't have time to to get good so to speak with Fortnite. um i i've seen all of these sort of guest appearances and the way they've been able to sort of bring in these characters um into the Fortnite universe and have them look so freaking cool. I, like Aloy looks amazing. And I, and I thought like for sure Kratos would have been the toughest to do and, and surely probably, you know, was, but he looks great in it too. It's, there's something about the, the Fortnite look and feel that they just, they haven't been able to throw something at the wall that doesn't stick in terms of some great guest looking characters. And uh, I mean, I gotta say it like, Samus would look great. If you can put Master Chief in here, Nintendo, I'm sure Nintendo just has this thing where like, we don't want, well, I know they have this thing. We don't want our characters on other platforms. Cause I guess that's the deal is like, if you buy Aloy, you can buy that bundle on your Xbox, which I think would throw Nintendo's lawyers into a fit. <laughs> That yeah, that actually it's funny you mentioned that. I hadn't given a lot of thought as to why they might not be doing that, but that might have something to do with it. Just Nintendo being fairly restrictive with where their IP can be can be placed. But uh, I I'm with you if they want to do some sort of Samus and Mega Man pack to Fortnite or or bring bring in some some other Nintendo characters. I would be all for that as well. Ooh, Mega Man would be good. I think Capcom Capcom yeah, I'm surprised Capcom isn't in on this. Like Mega Man. Uh, you could throw some Resident Evil characters in there. Put some, put some. Uh, I mean, you got. We're looking for marketing synergy. You've got Resident Evil Eight coming out. Chris Redfield's in it. Put Chris Redfield in Fortnite. I wouldn't be surprised if that is happening at some point because, really, Fortnite is just a big marketing machine. And um, <laughs> hey, maybe this is a good a, a good reason to uh, kind of look at Horizon uh, Forbidden West actually coming out this year if, if Aloy is making an appearance in uh, Fortnite. That might be our best evidence yet. Yeah, we, we can only hope, and it would certainly make Jocelyn happy. So we'll, we'll uh, <laughs> fingers crossed for Horizon Forbidden West and her special edition PlayStation 5. Oh, yeah. Well, if she has to, you know, custom print stickers and slap them on a, a, a PlayStation 5, I know she will, to, uh, just so she can play that game. But uh, yeah, that is, uh, is going to do it for our show. We are going to end it on Fortnite as we... Um, Try not to do, but hey, yeah, nobody's <laughs> nobody's perfect. Uh, go play Fortnite today and get your Aloy bundle on. Um, but uh, Travis, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, if you can let all our listeners know where they can find you online, I know you do some cool stuff. So definitely share 
with the listeners. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Um, if anyone wants to catch up with me, I am not active on Twitter, but I do have an account set up, so feel free to reach out. It's tmountain39. Uh, I also do some pixel art and I'm developing a comic series with some other artist friends. So if you want to get any more information on that, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Pixel Mountain Pop Art. So I hope to hear from you guys. And uh, yeah, feel free to reach out. We can talk about Horizon or Final Fantasy or whatever you want. Just let me know. Sounds great. Yeah, you do some great work with your pixel art. And uh, I have some here in my office as well. And I and I have Jocelyn's here in my office. I need to get it to her. Uh, this pandemic is because it's always like, oh, we'll see each other in person. And then, uh, yeah, that hasn't happened because of uh, everything going on. But um, yeah, it's fantastic work. Definitely check out Travis's work at the links you mentioned. And we'll have links in the show notes, too, so people can uh, click the link and get right to it. Um, but if you also want to hang out with other gamers and listeners, you can go to our discord bit.ly slash TGI discord. You can email the show. Let us know what bounty hunter you'd like to see in Fortnite, and, uh, start your petition for Samus Aran to be used <laughs> by Nintendo in some fashion in the next uh, decade. Um, info at gamers in You can find all of our episodes at our website, gamers in You can follow us on Twitter. You can find Jocelyn at Joss plays. You can find me at R. Murphy, Travis at T Mountain 39. Did I get that right? Yes, sir. Perfect. And don't forget to follow at the Gamers Inn for uh, show updates and all that fun stuff. Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. Tune in next week. Bye, everyone. Five weeks, and I finally did it without screwing up. (laughs) Boom!